You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 62 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Add a Lemon. Add a Lemon was formed in the suburbs of Sacramento, California. Their sound is influenced by 90s and 2000s skate punk and pop punk acts. Their upcoming album, Ripe, was recorded and mixed at CSU Monterey Bay and mastered at Atomic Garden Recording Studios in Oakland, California. For more information on the band, you can check them out on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Adalemon Band. That is A-D-D-A-L-E-M-O-N Band. Now here it is, their new single, Laces.
this is Eric. And this is Jonathan from the band Brazil, and you're listening to That, that One Time, Time on, on Tour. tour. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, what's going on? This is Chris Swinney. As always, I am your host for that one time on tour. This is my podcast where I get to sit down and have a kick-ass conversation with somebody in or around the music industry. Thank you so much for checking out last week's episode with Mr. Daryl Wilson from the Bull Weevils. It was an amazing episode. If you haven't listened, go back and check it out. Daryl's an awesome guy. Not only is he an amazing singer in a punk band, but he is an, he's an ER doctor. It's, it's a crazy story, man. So thanks a lot for that. And this week on the show, it's a wonderful show just like last week. I've got two really good friends of mine on this week's show. They are from the band Brazil. I have Mr. Eric Johnson and Jonathan Newby, Mr. Jonathan Newby. They uh, played in the fantastic band Brazil. I actually played bass for them for a while. It was I was on tour with them for a long time. I did tour managing and all kinds of stuff. They're the best guys in the world. And they are getting back together for a one-off show to celebrate the 15-year anniversary of their first full length to come out on Fearless Records, A Hostage and the Meaning of Life. The reunion show is August 30th at 8 p.m. at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis, Indiana, they're playing with pillars and rooms. The tickets are $15 and you can get them at hifiindy.com. So very excited to have them on the show today. We talk about all the old school stuff as well as all this stuff with the, the, the show coming up, the reunion show. And I, I could not be more excited for that reunion show. My One of my best friends, Brian Nelson, who played with me in the Ataris, uh, he's currently on tour with Baroness doing monitors for them. I just went and Saw him the other night and uh, did an episode with Baroness and Torch and had a wonderful time. But Brian's flying from Arizona to Indiana to run sound for the Brazil show. So it's going to be a big just reunion of, of everybody. It's going to be wonderful. So if you're in the area, check that out. August 30th, 8 p.m. HiFiIndy.com for more information. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Before I get to my conversation with Jonathan and Eric, I need to tell you about my sponsors. Amazing sponsors, the band at the beginning of the episode, Add a Lemon. I made I made them explain how to say their name. They sent me a voice memo so I would know how to pronounce it. It's spelled A-D-D-A-L-E-M-O-N. Check them out at, at Add a Lemon Band on all the social medias. They're awesome. Uh, you need to check out Permanence Tattoo Gallery. My buddy Jacob, ex-guest of the show, owns the place. It's awesome. If you need some ink done and you need to go to Anderson, Indiana, Meridian Street, downtown, Permanence Tattoo Gallery on all the social medias. Hit up Jacob. You will not be sorry. Merge 4. I can't say enough about Merge 4. They make socks. They make amazing socks. They have socks from bands like the Circle Jerks and Sublime and Foo Fighters, and they have socks from Steve Caballero and other professional skateboarders and artists and Edward Culver, the, the guy that took all the amazing, you know, punk rock and hardcore photos back in the 80s. He has his own sock with his pictures that he's taken on there. So you need to go to Merge4.com or check them out on all the social medias at Merge4. 
We're going to be doing a patron-only contest very soon. Uh, we're going to be giving away some really cool Merge 4 socks and different swag. So if you want to be eligible for that, go on over to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. Get involved at the $5 a month level and you are eligible for the contest and all kinds of other cool stuff. So if you want to help out the show, do that. If you want to help out the show and you don't want to give us any money, just go to iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you listen. Rate and review the show. Make sure to subscribe because that really helps us gain visibility. And if you've already done that, I thank you. We're up over 100 on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. So head on over there and do that if you haven't already. Make sure to follow us on all the social media platforms. It's at TOTOT Podcast. If you want to become a sponsor, hit me up, TOTOT, I can't talk, TOTOT podcast at gmail.com. We'll take care of it. Companies, bands, all kinds of stuff. I've got a couple of new sponsors coming on board next week. It's going to be really cool. And that's about it for the sponsors. I've paid the bills for this episode. So I was going to do a TOTOT radio, but I'm saving that for next week's episode. Today, I had a patron that hit me up with a top five list. And we're going to do the top five list. So today's top five list comes from Jackie in Indiana. And like I said, Jackie is a patron. She's a priority patron. <laughs> so she's on the show. But she has top five Indiana bands. And I thought that was really cool. You know, since this is, an, this is a podcast with a band from Indiana on today, we're going to go ahead and do her top five list. So here we go, Jackie. You said in no particular order. So mine are in no particular order either. But Jackie has Brazil. This is the right episode. This is the episode they're on talking about the reunion show. So yes, Jackie, Brazil is amazing and they're on today. So nice choice. Jackie also has Sloth Pop. I I had not heard of Sloth Pop because I'd been away from Indiana for quite a while. I went to their Bandcamp page a little while ago and checked them out. They're kind of like this indie kind of cool... I'm, they've got a piano and a cello player and a female singer. It's it's really, really cool. I really liked it. And the production on this stuff was really good. So check out Sloth Pop. I found them from just Googling them. So check them out. Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos is next on her list. And I got to say, yes, Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos is a great band. I remember when they played uh, they played on Conan or something. It was crazy. Or Seth Meyers. I can't remember which show it was. But I was like, whoa, I, I used to be next door neighbors to that one dude in the band. <laughs> Tyler Watkins is in that band. And uh, yeah, he used to he recorded some of the Widow Jenkins stuff, my old band back in the day. We used to be neighbors. So yeah, I love Margo and the Nuclear So-and-So's. Great band. They I think they still own a really nice studio in Indianapolis. So uh, go ahead and Google them and check them out if you don't know who they are. They're kind of indie kind of poppy. It's cool stuff. I think you guys would like it. So next on her list, she has the Ataris. I know a little bit about that band. Uh, I played in that band. Uh, Chris, the singer, is a good friend of mine. And uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say about the Ataris? I wasn't in the Ataris very long. The time I was in the band, I had a lot of fun. And they have a very long career. And they come from Anderson, Indiana. It's they're a great band, so check out the Ataris if you guys don't know who they are. Uh, maybe start with Boys of Summer and then work your way back. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, last on her list, she has Rodeo Ruby Love. I remember this band. I'm not really sure if they're still doing anything. They were from this area around here, kind of Muncie, indie area. 
And uh, my old band, real old band, Chronic Chaos, as well as the Widow Jenkins, we played some shows with them. Uh, they've, they're a wonderful band. They did a lot of touring and, and put out a lot of really cool stuff. So like I said, I don't know if they're still playing, but you want to check out Rodeo Ruby Love. Go ahead and Google that. So great list, Jackie. You've got Brazil, Sloth Pop, Margo and the Nuclear So-and-Sos, the Ataris, and Rodeo Ruby Love. So now we're going to move on to my list. And I wrote these down. It is top of my head, but I, but I wrote them down because I didn't want to forget. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say Brazil as well. Yes, I played in Brazil and toured with them, but it was not my band. And I was a huge fan before I toured with them and I'm even a bigger fan afterwards. And they're on the show today and it's going to be great. So it's, it's an all Brazil episode today. But uh, what else? Corporate Circus. Amazing kind of poppy punk band with some metal influence from Warsaw, Indiana. My old band, Chronic Chaos, we were like best friends with those guys, like family. So shout out to Ryan and Corey and Josh and Jeremy and and all you guys. Um, I think they're still doing stuff. I see stuff once in a while sporadically on Facebook. I think they have some new songs coming out. But if not, you should still check them out. Corporate Circus. I'm sure they probably have a band camp or, or some YouTube stuff or whatever. So check them out. Great band out of Warsaw, Indiana. And uh, we went on tour with them once. We had eight or nine guys in one van. And since this is that one time on tour, I'll tell you the story. Uh, we got to the ocean at like six in the morning. I thought the ocean, I guess it was the uh, the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, <laughs> we all piled out of the van and we we're like, oh man, we're at the ocean. And a couple of the guys in the band, I won't name any names, but uh, they, they'd never been to, I guess not the ocean. I, I keep saying that because I'm tired. It's the Gulf. It's not an ocean. But they'd never been there before. They'd never seen like a huge body of water like that. And they got out and they jumped in the water. It was six in the morning and, you know, they kind of were car sick a little bit and we just ate breakfast and, and they came out of the water and started throwing up. So that was <laughs> their introduction to the Gulf coast was getting sick as soon as they got into the water. But, uh, yeah, it was a great tour. So check out corporate circus. Awesome. 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 And, uh, next on my list, I've got a band that has something to do with the Ataris. Uh, Jason that was in the Ataris originally, like when they moved out to LA, he ended up coming back to Indiana and uh, he had a band called Project Bottle Cap, a really, really cool band that my band Chronic Chaos played with quite a bit back in the day. And he is now in a new band that has sponsored this podcast called In Calico. So make sure to check out Project Bottle Cap if you can find it, because it's 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 an older band. It was from you know late 90s, mid 2000s, something like that. And then you've also got uh, his new band, though, In Calico is amazing. So check them out. You'll really, really like it. You can go a couple episodes back. And uh, the Tom from MXPX episode, they sponsored it if you want to check them out. So after that, I have another great Indiana band, legendary in my book, Squirt Gun, uh, Mass, you know, the guy that owns Sonic Iguana Studios up in Lafayette. He's worked with you know Green Day and and all these different bands and, and Anti-Flag and Rise Against. <laughs> He's recorded all kinds of crazy stuff up there. And Brian, that played with me in the Ataris, used to work at Sonic Iguana with Mass and Mass's band Squirt Gun, they were on like the Clerk soundtrack and and they just they're a great band, pop punk. I love them. So check out Squirt Gun. I know they're still playing sporadically. I don't know if they've released anything new yet, but check out Squirt Gun. And last but not least, like I said, this is in no particular order. Uh, Split Lip, and I'll put Slash Chamberlain. They changed their name when they kind of started to go away from the the heavier stuff, but they were kind of one of those first wave Midwest emo bands. They had a lot to do with kind of 
getting that style going. But uh, yeah, Split Lip and Chamberlain, same band. They just kind of changed their style a little bit and changed their name. So check out Split Lip and Chamberlain if you're into that kind of stuff. Kind of along the lines of, you know, maybe a little bit heavier, but like I liked bands like Elliot and and just those first, first, maybe second wave emo bands are really, really good. So check out Split Lip or as they were called later on, Chamberlain. So those are my my bands, my top five Indiana off the top of my head. Brazil, Corporate Circus, Project Bado Cap, which in parentheses is in Calico, uh, Squirt Gun, and Split Lip or Chamberlain. So check them out. Jackie, thank you so much for sending in your top five list. If you guys have a top five list, you do not have to be a patron to send one in, but patrons do get priority. So uh, send them in on any of the social medias. You can email them to me, whatever, and I'll get them on the show. So uh, before I get into this interview with the guys from Brazil, I do want to give a shout out to my dude and past guest of the show, Mr. Rick Thorne, the the biker in black. The He's just one of the best, most positive guys I've, I've ever met. He was injured pretty badly riding his bike. He, he slammed on, on a ramp pretty hard. He uh, he broke like I don't know, six ribs or something. It was something crazy. But uh, he's stuck in the hospital getting better. And uh, Rick, I know you listen to this sometimes, and I just want to say I love you, dude, and stay positive and stay rad, as you always say to me, and I I hope you're going to get better real soon and get back out there on your bike. So everybody, if you have not checked it out, Rick has a podcast. You can check it out. It's called The Rick Thorne Show, and uh, send him some some love on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. It's a... it sucks when you get hurt, man. I know how bad he wants to get back out there on his bike. So shout out to you, Rick. You're an awesome dude, and uh, I hope you get better. So that's it. I'm going to stop rambling. We're about 17 minutes into this intro. So <laughs> here we go. I'm going to get right into my conversation with Mr. Eric Johnson and Mr. Jonathan Newby from the band Brazil. Here we go. And I am sitting here at my studio with two really good friends of mine, Eric and Jonathan from the band Brazil. How are you guys today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, man. <laughs> it's the second time for both of you guys to be on the show. And there's a special reason we'll get to here in a second. But I want to thank you guys very much for coming back and being on the podcast once again. This time in person. We did ours in person the first time. This is your second time in the HQ1, as I like to call it. But this is your second time, and the first time we did Google Hangouts, so this is a lot That's more. Right. This is a lot more personal. I like this. Yeah, it is our pleasure. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. So uh, we have a long history. Uh, the first thing that I'd like to talk about before we get into the whole reunion show thing—that's why we're doing this podcast—is I've always wanted to know, and I think we touched about touched on it a bit on some of the other episodes. But I used to be like this snotty punk rock kid. And when you guys asked me to tour with you, I know there were some preconceived notions of what it was going to be like. So can I just hear maybe pre-knowing me what your thoughts were and then post getting to know me what your thoughts were? Post maloning you? Post maloning me, yes. Post maloning me. And either one of you can take this. I don't know. That's a good question. I guess I need some clarity like... Uh, before you actually played with us on tour? Well, before like, okay, so you guys, for anybody out there that doesn't know, I was in a couple bands. I was doing a lot of touring with my bands and other bands. And then at some point you had asked me to go on the road and I couldn't because I was on tour with another band. And then something happened with somebody else that was going with you guys. And then you hit me up again. And I just got back from the tour 
and you asked me to go out and my dad dropped me off at your house on Jackson or the house on Jackson. And I didn't know any of you guys. I think I'd met you maybe one time in, in a bar or something. And I just felt like you guys were these cool indie rock kind of abstract music listening guys. And I like no effects. So I, I felt kind of like maybe we weren't going to get along, but it quickly, it changed. And I always thought in my mind, maybe you guys thought I was just this like punk kid that was trying to be on tour all the time and, and didn't want to work hard, which I know we've talked about it. Once I started playing bass, the work kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, true. But I did hook you up with Brian and I think you Brian's did. a workhorse. So oh, yeah. that gets me some points, but what was your, like, when you asked me, was it just out of necessity? Cause you didn't really know me. Do you even remember? I, I think I do remember. Um, I, I remembered that uh, we had had like a roadie tour manager in the past on like previous tours, kind of DIY stuff. And it really worked out well for us. The guy we had at the time, he had to stop doing it for whatever reason. And so like, we always tried to like, in the back of our mind, at least the way I recall it, like if we could have a road guy, like a tech or a tour manager yeah. or something like that takes so much of a weight off of like all of us. So like we were kind of like looking for that person in the right time. Cause we were broke half the time anyway. Couldn't afford to pay anybody. So. Yeah. There was no promise of money <laughs> yeah. with the tour. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. What was your take? Yeah. I don't, and this is totally self-serving. I just always wondered. And I have you guys well, in the same I room. Re- I don't ever remember meeting you. I mean, I think I had heard of chronic chaos. I had seen Saba Banks a couple of times, but yeah, I don't think you and I, I had met Jonathan somewhere because we had some mutual friends. It was a car wash. That was after I'd signed up though. Oh, was it? Yeah, because okay. I was washing my my I think it was my van or you were washing your van. Yeah. And you're like, hey, what's going on? We're going on tour together in like two weeks. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. <laughs> that was cool. I remember that. Clancy's right down here. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, we hadn't met, but like, did you even any of the other guys you'd had go on the road that maybe you didn't know or you did know, like you were just going on tour and didn't really even know who was going with you. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really um I guess expect anything or yeah you know didn't judge you from the way you looked or anything like that i mean i think you had a little less tattoos at that a point. little less <laughs> and uh, i do think that you know we are responsible for the tattoos right underneath your neck right there well <laughs> most like, notably aaron aaron yeah because aaron. aaron was like why don't you just fucking do it <laughs> well i think his thought was if i remember right is if you got a tattoo there you couldn't go get a regular job and i've you... talked about that on the podcast the reason that i got job stopper tattoos and it was spearheaded by aaron but yeah. it was like i don't want to have a backup plan and if i have job stoppers which i have all of the job stoppers now i'm not gonna go get a normal job and it's no. kind of it's served me fairly well it's i like being i think a the job stoppers have to be the face tattoos though. i i, I mean, like my face days, post malone's <laughs> not getting a, getting a job but like Best Buy or do you know Post Malone? Uh, personally, no, those no. that Chad Chad Elwood Rowe. I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not. He's a tattoo artist in Newcastle. But Post Malone, when he was playing indie or was in indie for some reason, he got that always tired by Chad, like over there. Or I think I, yeah, I think I read that. Yeah, yeah. I was I, for some reason I thought it was it said sleepy or something like that. <laughs> always tired. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. So he got that tattoo here in Indiana. I've not met Chad, but we're friends on Facebook. He's friends with my tattoo artist. So. Nice. Cool. Shout out to Post Malone and Chad <laughs> yeah. from Newcastle. But I just always I'm, wondered I'm because myself. I always felt kind of like, and this sounds really stupid, but I was always a confident person. I was pretty much the alpha with a lot of my punk rock metal guy friends. So going out with you guys, which in my mind, what I knew of Brazil, 
you guys are very progressive and it just had like a different, a different sound. And a lot of the stuff that I listened to later on, it influenced me a lot and a lot of other things that I listened to, but in my mind. And I just always wondered that, like, what did you guys think of me? Because I was probably way different than, you know, at least I looked and maybe your preconceived notions of what I listened to. And yeah, I mean, uh, like, you know, when we first met, um, I guess my, my perception of you is like this, there's this punk rock dude. Uh, he seems like he's in a lot of bands and he's like really, um, I don't know, like, like you hustle, you know, like yeah. even back then you were just like, I didn't want to be home. Yeah. I mean like when my band was done doing whatever I, I took, I said yes to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess I didn't know what to expect. I mean, when, when you joined us as like, you know, part of our crew Yeah. or actually our entire crew, um, <laughs> for a while yeah i think the first two were there was another guy though and i always forget his name it was tim that's who i was referring okay to. Yeah, yeah 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 um man that's a million years ago mm -hmm. oh dude it's insane that was like 2001 one or two god yeah. was so long ago man <laughs> yeah um but yeah like uh but yeah once once you got in the van man it was just like like you had already you like lived there already like yeah. you just knew exactly what we needed and like eric breaks a string and you're like burnt here's a guitar you know, it's, uh, you know, and that's a story that I tell people quite a lot. Uh, chameleon club, I think in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, maybe I'm sure you probably don't remember. I just, I have a crazy memory. I remember the club. Yeah. But you broke a string and I had the string changed and the guitar back to you before the song was over. Yeah. Cause yeah. there was a break in the action. I think we talked about it on the yeah. last episode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, when I met you guys and really like, Oh shit, I'm going to be in a van with these guys for however long I'm going to be in a van with these guys for. I was kind of nervous at first. I don't think I, I think I talked to you a little bit first and then you and I, I didn't know you liked metal. And then that I remember talking about yeah. Slayer and Sepultura. That was a bond. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was cool. Cause I was like, Oh, he likes metal. That's great. Yeah. I was a big metal head too, but oh yeah. So yeah, I just thought I wanted to get that out of the way. I've always wondered and I know we might've talked about it a little bit, but I, back then I loved playing music and I loved being on tour, but I was a little bit insecure when I met you guys just because it was a different world. It was still the same DIY touring, but it was a different world as far as you guys weren't a punk band. Yeah. You guys weren't a metal band. Yeah. It was a little bit different. Sure. And I was probably an asshole back then. So. Well, no, no. I, I mean, I'm sure I was. I know for a fact I was an <laughs> asshole to people on the tour that weren't you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I mean, I've told stories before, like you guys know the reason I, you guys toured with them that we were in Saskatoon one time and this guy with Liberty spikes came up and pissed on the trailer. And I had a really bad day before that. So I just grabbed him and, and put his face down the cement and rubbed, rubbed it in his it. piss. And like all the guys, no. all the guys in the band since they're Canadian, they're like, man, you're the craziest American I've ever met. In my life. <laughs> I had never heard that story. That's pretty awesome. It was pretty good. I was really mad. I used to be a little bit more confrontational yeah. back in my younger days. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to why we're doing this episode. I just always, you know, tangents. That's what we do on this, on this thing. Uh, you guys are celebrating the 15 year release of a hostage in the meaning of life, which came out on fearless records. Amazing record. I love it. I still listen to it all the time. I told you I taught one of my students the other day uh, the baseline for Escape. Oh, yeah. I've seen if I still remembered how to do it, and I, I kind of had to listen for a minute, but I got it. I didn't have to use tabs or anything. Nice. <laughs> but um, what, what, what brought about this? Was it just the nostalgia of the record, or why did you guys decide to do this reunion show? And I know it's kind of a one-off, or is there any plans of maybe 
doing some other stuff. I don't who, know. who spearheaded the idea of, cause I know like, you know, James lives in New Jersey and like everybody's kind of spread out doing their own thing. It's been, it's been 15 years since the record came out, but how long has it been since the band kind of ended? I, I don't think we've played together for what, 12 years. Yeah. Something like at that? least, I mean, Jonathan and I have gotten together and done yeah. a, a few little things. You know, I played on some of the JC auto body stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, my knowledge of it is James, uh, the drummer, got, oh, yeah? got a hold of me and said, you know, it's 15 years, like, are you into doing a show? And I was like, well, hell yeah. And he said, he had apparently already talked to Aaron. He said, well, that's what Aaron said you would say. So <laughs> let, let's reach out to everybody else now. And, is Aaron and, living locally around here or is he? I think he's like in the Cincinnati area, okay. but I could be wrong. Okay. I think he lives in New Albany. Oh, okay. Which, uh, is, which is fairly close to Cincinnati. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Down south. So James got a hold of you. He'd already talked to Aaron. How did you, how were you alerted that this was actually being talked about? It was James. James reached out to okay. me, I think on Instagram or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, he just, he kind of, same thing. Like, Hey, hostage came out 15 years ago. Are you, you have any interest in doing like a reunion show or something like that? And me at first I was like, man, I don't know. Like I, I just got like a lot of stuff going on and like, and doesn't it feel sometimes like, I mean, I'll just say this. So many bands nowadays are doing like, we're playing the whole record on the entire tour. It all, it feels, I'm not saying it's a cash grab for you guys, but I'm saying like the nostalgia thing is so in right now. Did you feel weird about, yeah, let's do it. You know what I mean? I, I didn't. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be a fun thing. It's yeah. not like, you know, like it's never crossed my mind of like, Hey, all these other bands are doing like reunions and stuff. Why, you know, let's do it. It was more just like, after a while, I, I thought about it. That's how I work. Like, it's like, if you ask me to do anything, my first instinct is going to be like, I don't know, man. But then I have to like chew on it a bit. And yeah. then after a while, I was like, yeah, this is going to be like really fun. Like, it'd be good to play with guys again and, you know, just have fun with it and not worry about stuff. And, you know. And right now it is a one-off. That's at least the plan, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I mean, everybody's spread out and, you know. It's... And we have that tour book that you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're leaving tomorrow. Okay. Well, I'm going to be there changing strings. Sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be, I mean, it's taken us, um, you know, when did the probably band close to a year to like get this all together? Cause it, at first it was just, you know, Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do this? Okay. And then, you know, maybe over the next couple of months, you know, stuff, stuff slowly started getting yeah put together. So when did the band actually end? That's like, a, that's a good question because, and we, what was the, how did it happen? Because at that point I kind of think I had moved away and, mm -hmm. and like when you guys actually ended the band, I'm, I wasn't privy to what was going on at that time. We had definitely slowed down in like, what was it? 2007 or something. Yeah. I mean, shortly after the last record philosophy of velocity came out, <clears throat> whereas on uh hostage and being life, we toured for like a year and a half yeah. probably. And, you know, you were around for a lot of, of it. <laughs> and um, with philosophy, I mean, I think we toured for maybe like six months. Yeah. And and the stuff just got really uh, slow for us, really. It just, like you said, like slowed down. Yeah. It's kind of this weird thing where like we kind of tried a different angle, like in sound and production we was a lot different as well. Yeah. And we were on a different label and we were just, it was still kind of like that never ending quest we had to find like the right 
people to work with and yeah. stuff. And we just kind of hit this rough patch. And I think our official last show, like as a band, was I think it was in Muncie at that venue they used to have in the village. It's the not be here now. Launchpad. Launchpad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that was an awesome show. And then we did this kind of like follow up thing like a year later of some like we self released this EP like download only. Was some, that the one that you guys did? We did a lot of it with Brian. I some think. of it, yeah, at my my old studio. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the recordings I think were done when I was still in town, but I think I was gone by the time you guys were actually, yeah, putting it out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and that was just like kind of a a post mortem type thing. I yeah. and I kind of don't really consider that our last show. Like it was kind of just like we'll just put these you know kind of things we never released together and then kind of play a show. And I don't even think all of us were there. Like. Don't no. you think James was was James there? No, it was mainly I think you and I did a lot of it. I mean, there yeah. was one track that um was like some stuff that I had done on my four track at yeah. home that I gave to Jonathan and he kinda took it and did stuff and put some stuff on it and uh and like two or three of the songs were songs off of uh philosophy that we did like kind of bossa nova versions of yeah, and I stuff. That. Yeah. And um and then just a couple other ones that Jonathan had written that we did like a, it was a lot of a lot of it was acoustic. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was like you take hostage and then hostage to philosophy that like spectrum of difference and then philosophy to this EP that we're talking about. It was like way even more different like you wouldn't think that they were the same band. It was kind of Yeah. it, it was interesting. I'll say that. What how was what was the name of it? It was a weird name. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's uh Here I am J H, which is a line from the movie Brazil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we talk I think we talked about in both podcasts you guys were on, but at warp tour with all the like kids from you know mm. from Brazil. Oh, yeah. why, why is the name of the band Brazil? I am from, <laughs> I am from Brazil. <laughs> I just the what that reminded me of is when we used to have the Brazil, um, I don't know if it was Brazil.com or some message board we had with Brazil and, and some guy that was from Brazil got on there who obviously didn't translate well into English or something. He's like, hey guys, I'm Brazilian. <laughs> and, and Nick was like, wow, that's really old. <laughs> I still got to get Nick on the podcast. He keeps asking me. We haven't set it up yet. But uh, so... Uh, you guys started slowing down 2007, 2008, like around there. Was there ever a talk of like, oh, this is over? Like, was the contract up with Immortal? Like, because that was the last label you guys were on, correct? Yeah, but the, uh, I think, I don't remember how many albums we had in our contract, but they actually went out of business. I mean, I knew they were having some issues, like even pretty shortly after the record came out. And yeah. I also want to talk about the the glitch on, I think on Crime. Is that what it was? Uh, you I, never know. You never know. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember which one it was. Yeah. But as far as like the, like when we kind of split ways, like I, for my part, like I, I quit the band at a certain point. Yeah. And then I, you guys kept going for a while, right? Well, we tried. Okay. I mean, um, yeah, it just didn't really work out. We, I mean, the only hope of saving it as Brazil would be, you know, to get somebody else to sing. And uh, we, you know, reached out to a few people and just nothing ever came from it. And um, I mean, the only, you know, one that I, I wish, you know, it would have, I mean, obviously didn't want to lose you and have the band break up anyway, but um, we tried to find uh, Jeff from Code 7 because they had broken oh, up. Cool, yeah. 
And that would have been really cool. I was really into that idea, but he like just fell off the radar at that point. And they ended up getting back together. Yeah, they did a reunion. But um, He's probably on his way to Area 51 right now, right? Most likely, <laughs> he was, yeah. Yeah. Conspiracy guy. But yeah, we... And then we tried to uh, like basically form a new band after that. Um, and that didn't last long. I mean, you know, it was basically everybody except Jonathan and then Nick lived in Bloomington at that point. Yeah. He was kind of like, I can't do this. And Aaron had already lived down south and he was like, he fell out. And so that was pretty much how that dissolved. So there was never a talk. It was just kind of, you were out, you guys tried to keep it going, then it just kind of yeah, went yeah. by the wayside. Yeah. So with doing this reunion show, what is, is there going to be a lot of rehearsals? Cause I mean, it's been so long since you, even the touring after hostage, like I didn't, I saw you guys maybe a couple times after you released the newer record, but you were still playing some of the, you know, crowd favorites from hostage, but it seems like you were working in a lot of that newer material. So some of these songs on hostage, you might not have played them for quite a while. So is it, everybody by themselves rehearsing or are you guys going to have some group stuff going on? Yeah, it's kind of, so what we're talking about right now is, um, I mean, we're all like kind of distributed, like Eric said, I mean, James is in New Jersey and stuff, so we can't like get together every weekend, but yeah, like a lot of practicing by ourselves. And then I think the idea is like the week before the show, uh, we're going to get together and just do a bunch of practicing, um, down in India or wherever. Cool. Um, and then, you know, just, Muscle memory. I mean, we played those songs for at least eighteen months. Yeah, two years. There, I was. I have been talking to Aaron a lot because um, Aaron, the other guitar player, uh, was really, you know, nervous about this because he's a nurse now and uh, basically hadn't picked his guitar up from the sounds of it really in about ten years or so. Wow. So he was. Does he still have all of his pedals? (laughs) I mean, not as many. Not as many. I don't think. Um, But he, you know, he was. He basically told me I forgot how to play guitar. So um, I was like, you know, well, if we can get together somehow, maybe over Skype or something, and like yeah. we could go over some of the stuff, I'll try to help you out. And um, so I've, I talked to him, or at least messaged him quite a bit, and I think he's doing okay. But, yeah, I mean, for me, there there are a few, you know, riffs that I will never forget, you know. It's just like old metallica riffs that i learned you know when i was first learning how to play guitar i will never forget yeah. how to play seek and destroy no. just never ever <laughs> ever okay is that um, on the set it's not Uh-oh. no i'll come down we'll put in the set <laughs> and i'm talking to metallica not um the stooges but, <laughs> that's search, that's and search and destroy, destroy. search and destroy my bad yeah, my punk cred it's gone yeah, it's gone man <laughs> well kill them all was kind of a punk record when you think about it so yeah. so uh you, I know you do the JC auto body stuff. Uh, you're still, you know, you're being placed in movies and soundtracks and, and TV shows and stuff. So you've continued to do music mm-hmm. at least on a pretty regular basis. How are you feeling with the singing? Because some of those, some of those melodies are pretty, pretty intense to sing. They're pretty high. I mean, you have a high voice, but yeah. are you kind of, have you been doing some practicing on your own trying to sing to the record or anything? Uh, yeah, a, a little bit. I think like in terms of like chops, I mean, yeah, I hit some pretty like ball busting high notes yeah. those days. Um, but like with my auto body stuff, I'm singing super high yeah. King Diamond style anyway. So like those muscles are still there. They haven't totally atrophied yet. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of me just like singing along to the record, make sure I don't like forget this verse or that chorus or whatever. 
Is there going to be any, uh, you guys are going to do the whole record like front to back? Are we? <clears throat> Pretty close, I think. I think we've got almost everything on there except. Um, is your dad going to come out and play sax? He might. That'd be uh, awesome. That's what I've been wondering too. I think we we brought that up in a couple, you know. I bet he would. It's a, That'd be great. It's a Friday, I, so it's not it's gonna, not going to interfere with his band. So. Yeah. That's yeah. a cool day. <laughs> um, so uh, how about we talk a little bit about the actual recording of the record that you guys are celebrating. Now you guys signed to fearless. How did you get hooked up with Alex Newport? Who was the guy that actually produced the record? Was that just through the label or like, how did that go about? We just thought anything we could do to be at the drive-in <laughs> we would do. We're going to get their producer, their manager, yeah. their record label. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We had no intention of that. Shout out to blaze. I just had Travis on the, on the, from Coheed on a while back and he was talking about blaze. They're still working with blaze. So. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Alex, um, I, I feel like what happened was, yeah, like we had a short list of producers. That so you we were talking to the with. people at Fearless and saying, this is who we'd like to yeah, work with. Yeah. And they had worked with, like like Eric said, like they'd worked with At The Drive-In. So they had already, they had developed a relationship with him. Yeah. And I think some of the other people that they had like pitched were like, we just weren't feeling it. Like they were not stylistically different or something like yeah. that. And Alex seemed to be kind of like a guy who would kind of get our vibe. Yeah. So they, they hooked it up for us. And plus he was out there in California as fearless is. So it was real easy for them to like work it up, work it out. And then we just made the trip. Did you guys play shows on the way out there? Or did you just get in the van and you'd go? No, we, I think, was that the one that we, we broke down on the way out there? Yeah. So here's a tour story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So we booked four or five shows to get out there. Just like, you know, dot, dot, dot. And we made it all the way to New Mexico I think we had a show in like Santa Fe or something like that. And then like, but like an hour outside in the desert and this just outside this little tiny town called Moriarty. Okay. Uh, our van wheel fell off and caught fire. Didn't it? It caught fire. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so we had to pull off and like, we had to spend like, like one or two days or something in this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere. I mean, if you've seen like, I don't even know what movie, but it was like right out of a movie, just one of those desert towns and we happened to like luck our way into meeting like the good mechanic in town because there was the good mechanic and then like a really like devious one that yeah. would just like gouge people who broke down. And yeah, they, they fixed our van on like a Sunday or something like that. And then we ended up like, I think Nick sent them Christmas cards for like years wow. afterwards and yeah. stuff. Yeah, he anyway. stayed in touch with them. That's, I think that's David funny. Lynch wrote that whole scenario too, didn't he? I, who? David Lynch wrote yes. that. He wrote the oh, whole. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's what it felt like, at least. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because I, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast or not, but there was one uh, one warp tour where Brian, our mutual friend that also worked for you guys, that played with me in the Ataris. We were driving out to pick up Chris in Arizona to go to the first day of warp tour out in California, and we broke down in Gallup, New Mexico, which is the same kind of town. There is one hotel and it's connected to a truck stop. It was 25 bucks a night. And uh, we found the same deal. We got a guy that was like, yeah, I'll fix you up. And then, like the radiator blew and we had to wait two days for the radiator to get there. But yeah, New Mexico is a yeah crazy place when you're stranded. It is, yeah. No offense to any uh, New Mexicans out there. No. Poor old Mexicans. <laughs> so you guys were driving out there. You played some shows. When you got out there, I mean... Did you guys have 
long-term goals for the band or was it just something that you guys were doing and all of a sudden you were signed and you were going out to record in Los Angeles? Like how did it feel knowing that you were going to make this real like full length record with a guy that you respected and you were going to be in LA for what, like a couple weeks, probably two or three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Like how did it, did it feel like an accomplishment or were you guys really nervous and kind of anxiety? Like how was that? Um, I mean, it, you know, to me, it, uh, I don't, as far as like long-term goals or anything, I think, you know, we all, I mean, I would hope that the, the, um, the goal of any band is to make it as big as you can. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, nobody's like, Oh, I just want to go play <laughs> shitty bars and do covers for the rest of my life, you know? But, yeah. um, and playing with that or, you know, getting to, uh, to meet Alex and record with him, you know, I think I'd said before when we talked about this, uh, I was a huge fudge tunnel fan. So, yeah. you know, getting to meet him and, um, he was like the guitar tech on the Sepultura, um, chaos AD record. He was and in nail bomb. He was in nail bomb. You know, I mean, he's got, you know, clout. So yeah, <clears throat> it was really cool. Did, uh, your parents and like your family members, were they supportive of this whole thing or did they think that, well, going out to California to record a record. Like, did they understand what was your dad's a musician? I'm sure he understood to some degree what, what was going on. Right. Oh yeah. He was, he was totally supportive. Um, and he, in fact, like he came out to California to record that sax that part. Sax part. Yeah. Yeah. On, on Metropole. Stayed with him in the hotel. Didn't yeah, he? he stayed in the hotel and he stayed at Alex Newport's house. And it was just funny because like, um, I stayed there with him. We just like slept on the couch or something and then we get up the next morning and my dad's like looking at his CD collection and it's like <laughs> son of crack pie fudge tunnel. <laughs> and then, you know, my dad's CD collection at the time was like, you know, Miles Davis. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. <laughs> well, and I talked about it on the last podcast, but it's cool that your dad has a, has a story with Alex too, but my dad was a big nail bomb fan, which is weird. But, uh, Alex called and talked to my dad for like a half hour when I was out there, when we stayed at his place on tour way after the record came out. Nice. Yeah, Alex is a good guy. So shout out to Alex if you ever <laughs> listen to this. Yeah. Good guy. Good dude. Uh, have you contacted him at all about anything to do with the record? I mean, has there ever been maybe like an idea to remaster it or remix it or do anything? Have you guys, are you in contact with Fearless about anything at all? Because like uh, I just had a, a patron the other day that listens to the show that bought the record because he, he mm -hmm. heard, uh, he heard like your thing and I've been talking about it on the show. So I didn't know if, you guys are still in some sort of contact with the people at fearless. Cause I mean, it's still available. They can still get the record. Yeah. I, I honestly hadn't thought of doing a remaster, but that that's kind of a cool idea. Um, the last time for I ever vinyl for, for vinyl. Well, see that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I like probably a couple years after we broke up, like I reached out to Bob who is or was the yeah. main guy there. Asked him if it was okay if we did vinyl on our own at some point of hostage. And he's like, yeah, sure. Um, but that's it. Okay. So is that something you would consider doing at some point? Yeah. If I, the rest of the guys are into it, I mean, it might be kind of cool. That's cool, man. I mean, cause vinyl is so hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> A little side note too, when we were talking about this, um, we almost made this record with Steve Albini. Really? Right. Yeah. yeah. We had, um, called and talked to him. Haven't you recorded with Steve before? Yeah, I, I did like back in 99 with, uh, a band that I was in. And it was just total, totally like on our own yeah. for a weekend. We went up there, paid out of pocket, you know, and it was really cool. So I knew that, you know, he was awesome to work with, but, um, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Definitely. I mean, it it would have sounded totally different. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he also has that whole mentality of not really being a producer. At least he says that. Oh, yeah. He doesn't doesn't want points on the record. No. Um, Some people, some guys that were just on the show a while back, uh, Jacob... And uh, Logan from the band Law, Jake Jacob is uh, Bradley from Sublime Sun. His their band Law just recorded their new record with Steve, and I was asking them after because <clears throat> they did it like after they did the podcast. But then I was talking to him later, and they were like, "It was the best experience they've ever had in their entire life." He was like the coolest guy, and yeah, I've heard a couple of the like the unmixed things from the studio. Like that would have been way different. Do you guys ever? wish i mean alex did an amazing job the record speaks for itself but you ever wish maybe you would have tried something a little bit different because i know later on working with dave fridman that was a huge change right yeah i mean um i like even with my my own projects today like i would at some point like to work with steve albini like from what i know of him and his methodology and philosophy and from what Eric has told me, like, I think it'd be just like, just the experience of it would be super cool. And, um, yeah, but if, if it had happened like in the hostage years, we we would have had a very different record. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows like where that would have gone. So, so when hostage came out, uh, how did it do right out of the gate? Cause I mean, I know it sold, I mean, now it's gotta be probably, I mean, I guess CDs aren't selling, but like up around 50 K or something like that. Like what was the, do you, yeah, do you know the numbers on it at all? I don't. Yeah. I, I, all I know is that it was our biggest selling like release of the three or four. Okay. okay. But that's because you guys did an EP on fearless as well. Yeah. That was the first, the thing first one. Yep. So was fearless at the time when it came out, were they fairly happy? Like it was felt like it was because I tell people all the time and I'm not trying to like kiss your ass. You guys are my friends. I don't have to do that. But I think Brazil is a band, especially this record that we're talking about. And then uh, Philosophy of Velocity, those two records, in another 10, 20 years, people are going to find those records. And it, like, I think you guys are a little bit ahead of your time, which is a good thing and a bad thing. And I think that you're an underappreciated band. And it like even at the drive-in, like people still talk about them so much and love them so much. But there at the beginning, it wasn't, they didn't weren't as big as they should have been. And I feel like you guys maybe ended a little bit before your time. So I feel... I don't know. I think Fearless is going to keep making money off you guys at some point. <laughs> well, good. good for them. Yeah. Do you guys get any of the numbers as far as streaming or anything? Like, do they report that Spotify or anything like that? I mean, we could probably look for it and find it, but I yeah. have no idea. I just always wondered like how it's still doing. Cause people, I've had a lot of emails since I've been, I've had you guys on the show. I've played some of your music. The last couple episodes we've talked about the reunion show and I sent you that message that, that, that guy sent me. People really like it. I've had a lot of emails and I just think it's maybe if it came out today, things would be different. I don't yeah, know. Who knows? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, did you guys ever feel that way? Like, and especially being on a label like fearless, I know that, you know, at the drive, it was on fearless and it was kind of this, the lineage you guys were into them and you wanted to not mold your career, but you worked with Alex and there was that kinship kind of, do you ever feel like a different label 
might have changed things because they were so based in that punk rock world. And you guys had the punk rock ethics, but maybe didn't fit with some aesthetic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, And that was kind of even like in those days for me, at least it seemed like, um, you know, it's like, Oh cool. This like label is interested in us. But then there was also the thought of like, well, we're not really playing YTs. We're not, you know, Aquabats or anything like that. Like, how are we going to go over? They did have at the drive-in and yeah. like, in terms of like just being a kind of out there weirdish band, like we were in that group, I guess. But um, yeah, there was a little bit of a concern, I guess, you know, I feel like uh, at the, at the end of it all, like they, I think they did a pretty good job of yeah. like pushing us. I mean, what was, was the support fairly well? Like I wasn't really privy to any of the money or anything when I was on the road with you guys, but it seemed like there were posters at the gigs and it seemed like, they had an open line of communication. Like when we were playing chain reaction, you know, Adam and Bob came out. Like, did you guys feel like they were taking care of you? Cause I know that can be really scary in a young band's career when you sign to a label, but then maybe you're, you're the new kid on the block and they've got all these other bands that are selling a lot of records and doing really well. Like, did they, did they take care of you guys? Yeah, I think so. I think they did, you know, they I'm did not looking for a scoop. I'm just they did their, <laughs> no, I think they did their jobs very well. I mean, um, for a label of that, you know, size, um, I think they went above and beyond, you know, yeah. what, what they, what they should have done for us. Was there ever like, I know that you guys, uh, you guys never really played. You never went to Europe with the band. Did you go to the UK or was it all States? States and Canada. Canada. Was there, ever, was there like a major reason for that? Because I knew a lot of bands at that point on labels of that size, like a big market was Australia, Japan, Europe. Was there ever, was there a reason why you guys didn't go? I mean, we, we had tried and we, I remember, do you remember that show we played in LA at that little restaurant that yeah. looked like a Twin we, Peaks cabaret or something? Right. And we talked to the, yeah, uh, there's this guy, he was like a, a booking agent for, you know, like European tours or whatever. Yeah. He was totally into like, you know, the idea of bringing us over at some point, but I don't know exactly why it didn't happen. I would have loved to, I think maybe the rest of the guys would too, but like, um, you could probably budget stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive to fly six, seven people oh. all the way over there. As I, we, you know, we were told, you know, to get, get your passport, you right. know? Um, and it just never happened basically. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, we went one, to Canada instead. That's so. one of the perils of having a lot of people in your band is yeah. you might not get the same opportunities because of financial restraints. Right. I know right. that that was one thing I was jealous of Saba banks for. Yeah. The three, <laughs> the three people. as many people. Yeah. You guys could go anywhere in the world, man. It's a lot easier on stages too. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Brazil, sometimes I know I had to hold, basically hold my guitar upright um, because of there the, were a lot of shows when I was playing bass for you guys on, on that, on that tour where I was like, I'd, I'd never been on stage with that many people. <laughs> it always just been three or four people. Yeah. It was, it was a little crazy, but uh, what was the smallest place you ever played? Was there ever like, do you remember any like really tiny, like little art places where you had to, cause I mean, everybody's played places like that before. I do remember um, we played South by Southwest one time. And you know how like some bars you go into and there's like this little wedge stage yeah. in the corner. Yeah. It's and for like had, one guy with a guitar yeah. on open mic night or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And we had, um, that was when we were bringing my CP 70, like that stage, big stage piano. Mm-hmm. We fit all that stuff on there. And, uh, and I remember when we played strange days, like you got on top of like the monitors and just wailed <laughs> on this solo, like the <laughs> outro solo. 
And it was just, it was like transcendent. Like, which that know. solo is amazing, by the way. Everybody out there, listen to Strange Days by Brazil. Listen to the solo. That's yeah, I remember cool. like we, we were so cramped, but there was so much energy on the stage. I don't remember how many people were there, probably not a lot, but like we would just like locked it in that night. And I was just, I remember like watching and seeing like Eric just all of a sudden just hop up on this thing. And I'm like, damn, this is like the shit. <laughs> did you guys, was that your only time playing South by South, South by Southwest, or did you play at other times? We played, we played that. I mean, I, I think almost every year that we were, did you yeah. do the insane thing where you play like three or four shows a day? Oh, we, yeah. did, we did five one day. We did. Yeah. That's crazy. From man. like noon to midnight. And I know by midnight we were. Oh, I remember walking yeah. around that main street there where everybody just, you know, is puking and whatever. And I had this 40 in my hand, just staggering around. I mean, we were just completely like burnt out, but yeah, I mean, it was like, it was five shows. It was like, we did, uh, like the, the one normal... of them was an acoustic show, I think. Right. Yeah. We did like an acoustic thing and then Which, that can be more nerve wracking than a regular show sometimes, you know, yeah. if you're not used to doing that. Yeah. Yeah, then we did like our normal, like the, the big scheduled show we were supposed to do. And then we were like last minute invited to all these little like parties or something that they just throw your stuff on stage and play six songs and whatever. Do you feel like I've always and this is probably an unpopular idea, but do you ever feel like the South by Southwest like thing of playing all the shows and just doing as much as you can is kind of a kind of a scam? Because, I mean, do you feel like it did anything for the band or it helped the band? Like, I know some bands go there and do it and they get a booking agent or they get a new manager or whatever. But I just feel like you're not really getting paid no. to do I, this stuff. I mean, personally, you know, I, I think any any show you can play, any way, any way you can promote the band yeah. is, is going to be good. Um, and, you know, I was always a huge fan of, you know, Fugazi. Growing yeah. up and like their, um, you know, I don't know, morals, I guess, basically on how to be, you know, as a band, um, always stuck with me. <clears throat> and I think that we always did a pretty good job at playing the same show for yeah. five people that we would for 500 people. You know, it was never, you know, holding anything back or, oh, there's only. A couple guys out there you know let's let's just hurry up and get get on stage so we can go back to the hotel or whatever it was you know you give it your all every night i've just i've had a couple of people on the show that have talked about south by southwest and i never really thought about it i've played it a couple of times with different bands but i guess that that whole grind of you know over the two or three days you play like 14 shows i just always wondered if anybody i mean i totally agree with you and i have the same ideals and everything that you were talking about like you give it 100% no matter what you got to push the band if it's one person finds about out about the band that's great but I just always thought man like at South by Southwest some of those shows that you're playing there might just be the bartender and like you know what I mean like it just I always wondered if people really think it helps I know a lot of people are kind of down on South by Southwest did you ever play North by Northeast in Toronto no I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was cooler. It wasn't that as was hot as Austin. <laughs> yeah. With the airplane that flies down. Yeah, right. Okay, so um let's get into some tour talk. Because we've we've covered this. We're gonna talk a little bit more about the show at the end. This is kind of a different kind of an episode. I just wanna, you know, not dig as deep as we used to dig, but we're gonna talk about other stuff. So Tour stories that that stick out to you guys. I know I told you to maybe prepare something just because it's easier that way. Because I mean, sometimes you, you know, you could remember the best story ever on your drive home from the podcast. So, 
anything. Like, like in, when you get into an argument with somebody and like on afterward, you're like, God, I should have yeah, said, I should have said <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> no. So like anything you want, man, any story, something that sticks out in your mind. Well, so I was thinking about this and, uh, I, I tried to, uh, like think of like all the different tour chunks we went on and see what stood out. And one of the ones that was like, that just popped into my head today. It was like one of our really super early tours. In fact, I think it was our first tour. You might not have even been in the band yet, but like we had booked it completely ourselves. And, you know, like a self book tour, it's like you're out for three weeks and you play six shows, yeah. you know, cause like half of them <laughs> fall through. And we were in the South, like the deep South. And I think a show fell through like three days of shows fell through and we were kind of close to new Orleans. And I'm like, man, let's just see, let's just see what's in New Orleans. And it, those were the days where like, if you wanted to like check, like hop on the internet and check show listings, you had to like go to the library yeah. or go to Kinko's. Like nobody had smartphones. That's how old we are. Um, and so like I went to some, I might've even been like just some random coffee shop and I got on and I found like the show listing for New Orleans and I found this show that looked like it might've been a punk show. I, I don't know. And so I just emailed the promoter and I said, hey, we're in a band, we're on the road, and we had a bunch of shows fall through. Can we like just hop on this show? You don't have to pay us, we'll just play and sell merch. And I wasn't gonna wait around for them to answer because I didn't have all day. And so we just were just like, let's just go to New Orleans and see what happens. Yeah. So we drove and we get there, and it's this show that's in this boxing ring in like the ninth ward, run by this guy named Spider. And <laughs> it was just like it was one of the most insane, like very New Orleans-y type thing. Like all the bands played in this boxing ring and like, you know, boxing ring, they're all like, you know, springy or whatever. Yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm playing drums at the time. So like, this is super old. Um, and it's like, anytime we'd hit a cymbal or whatever, like, like everything would just like, and I think Aaron got like tangled up on the ropes or something like that. It was, it was pretty insane. So were the other bands kind of, was it like a punk show? It or was, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the funny thing was, is that like, um, we hopped on and the promoter was like, ended up being really super cool. And I think one of the other bands that was like legit on the show, they were kind of jerks. And so that kind of like maximizes the good graces for the other bands. Cause the promoter's like, screw them. I'm going to be super nice to you guys. And they let us stay like this, this girl let us stay at her house. And she took us all around to like new Orleans and showed us things and showed us the new Orleans stuff. I'd never been there before. And it was just like this really magical time. Cause it's like this totally serendipitous, night where it's just like we lucked into the show we lucked into really cool people got to experience this city that like i hadn't been to before yeah and it was like a I, like i won't ever forget that well i think a lot of the times like we talk about on this podcast every episode but you know those things that happen like that make you fondly remember tour because like the tagline for this podcast is see what it's like to live out your dream and in some cases your worst nightmare but the worst nightmares are the best stories yeah. And like when I think about touring, I don't think of, oh, I remember we played that sold out show. I said, oh, I remember when the van broke down in Gallup, New Mexico, or or I remember, you know, not getting paid and, and, you know, walking the guy to the ATM and making him give us our money because I used to be an asshole, like I told you guys earlier. <laughs> so I think when, when I ask about tour stories, that's a perfect tour story because you, you, you long for that. You know what I mean? Like, especially when it was new, like you just, let's just fucking go to new Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what else are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I've like had that happen all the time. A, nobody wants to go to a, a hockey match to see the hockey match. They just want to see the fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. 
So what do you got? Let's let's hear an Eric story. I, well, I mean, I can't remember exactly what ones we talked about before. Yeah, I, mean, that's fine. I think the, the James Burrito thing was covered. <laughs> I think maybe in both of ours. It may have been, yeah. Um, I mean, but that's still, and I actually talked to James about that today. <laughs> um, that's still one of the funniest things that's happened, you know. And a lot of my stories, I guess, are probably involve James just because uh, you know, he was he was just good at um well, he was good at holding his liquor for one thing, you know, and uh, he could get to that point where, uh, you know, crazy stuff would, yeah. would happen. Well, whenever crazy stuff happened, normally it was James and he'd been drinking. Right. When I was I mean, on the road with you guys. Well, I, I would say, yeah, a lot of a lot of stories do involve, you know, some a bit of inebriation. Um, but yeah, James throwing the burrito at the taxi. I mean, because it was like. Well, you weren't there, right? That was Brian. Yeah, that was Brian. Well, I had I had the whole thing with James uh, when we were in Pomona, California, and these like guys, like gangbanger guys, drove by and they threw an egg at him, and he caught the egg and threw it back at him, and it never busted when he caught it. Oh, I just say I didn't know about that. <laughs> it was outside of the glass house in Pomona. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I never heard that. Story. It was awesome. I don't know. <laughs> That's the whole story. Right. Like we're smoking cigarettes, and these guys go by in a lowrider, and all of a sudden, an egg gets thrown at James, and James catches it without breaking it, and then throws it back in the window, and they just peel it off. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were going to get killed or something. That I mean, that was. Um, I and I think you know one of the things was I remember you know because when you're on tour, you don't, especially when you're not band of a certain size the times that you get to eat and stuff oh, yeah. are uh, pretty important you know and if you get like a buyout from the club you know which is what had happened there was a burrito place across the street they all gave us little tickets we could go over there and get burritos for some reason i didn't go get my burrito that night right and james had one at the end of the night and he's holding on to it i'm like you're gonna eat that burrito oh yeah yeah you know he's like <laughs> Past three sheets to the wind. I don't know how many sheets to the wind he was, but like, and um, then just, you know, suddenly out in the middle of the street at like one o'clock in the morning, a taxi's going by and he just wings it right at the, at the guy's windshield. And, um, you know, the guy kept going for it and then he turned back around and he comes back. And the funny thing was James trying to convince him that it wasn't him, you know, and there's like, there's nobody else out there. You know, and I think Brian had to go up and kind of intervene a little bit, but you know, nothing happened uh, with that. But there was another time too. Uh, something I was thinking about is when we were out with uh, your buddies, the Reason, and uh, when they came down here to the states to tour with us, and uh, we had like a day off, and uh, James, of course, uh, his parents had just sold their house in Jersey and they'd moved up to Long Island. Yeah, I, I think, think so, yeah. And um so basically they were in the middle of selling the house. We so we had the house to ourselves and we had like a day off, at least one if not two, and basically we just partied, you know, at the house for like days. And <laughs> there was a uh, there was a treadmill set up in the corner. <laughs> and somehow, you know, I don't know, but you know, everybody was drinking and uh, the treadmill gets turned on full blast and we start putting stuff on the treadmill and watching it, you know, fly off, you know, as you do. Right. Of course. <laughs> and, um, it's set up right next to this wall. So stuff is like bouncing off the wall. Well, the next thing, you know, James is getting on the treadmill <laughs> and he shoots into the wall 
you know, full speed. And there are these two knee prints in the wall. Um, and, you know, we're laughing about it and stuff. But then, you know, after a while, we're kind of like, oh, my God, like, they're getting ready to sell this house, you know, and we just put dents in the wall. So, like, we had to go and get, like, wall patch and, like. And fix it up. And you could never tell, though. That and was the, the reason was there with you guys? Yeah, they were there. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, what about, like, weird shows that you played? Was there ever, like, what's the worst show that you played? Can you remember that? I have I have a contestant. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember when we played that tour with My Chemical Romance and Me Without You? And we had just uh, just released Dossine, maybe? And we were playing in Philadelphia. Um, this guy Tim Hardy was our drummer. Were you on that one? No, actually, that was that was, was when my that, friend Matt came. Yeah, that play. was okay. uh, Mike Kim McCormick's an Under Oath. That's right, an Under Oath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw that tour before I knew you guys. Did you? Right. Chronic Chaos opened the show. Uh, oh yeah. At at Festivilla, Festivia, whatever that yeah. place. Smedley. You Smed- remember that guy? I live like four blocks from that place now. Oh yeah, over by Rural Street yep. or whatever. I did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you probably didn't know that because we didn't really talk, but I watched you guys Chronic Chaos open that show. Nice. It all, it all comes back full circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember, like, um, for, for whatever reason, this was in Philadelphia at the Trocadero in the small room upstairs. And um, our label flew out to see us. This manager came out from California that we thought was like super like his management company, like they did like Queens of the stone age at the time and like Tori Amos and all these like great big people. So he was flying out to see us. Our label was like jazzed about that. So they flew a couple people out to see us. Um, we're like, this is is a huge show. We had to like be on tonight. And it, it turned out to be one of those things where like every single thing that could go wrong went wrong. The entire tour was great up until then. I think, uh, Ben, our bass player, at the time, his cabinet went out. No problems before then, but that night it went out. They had to crowd surf another cabinet to him. Um, I think like we forgot how to play like you know a third of the songs or something like that. The sound was off. The keyboard wouldn't play. The drummer, the drummer Tim, he was an awesome drummer, but I think um, you know we were trying to like start songs in the middle of the song just to like because yeah. we'd like crashed and burned, and it was just like we were so bummed at the end of that show. That's probably my personal worst show that I can remember. <laughs> what about uh, like big milestone shows, like things that you look back on, like felt like you made it or you felt like, you know, this is why we're doing it like the best show or one of the best memories of playing a show. Hmm. I know these are hard questions, man. Yeah. I'm a journalist, man. <laughs> I, I do remember like one of the biggest crowds we probably ever had is when we were on Warp Tour. There were some huge crowds. Was and, Smart Punk stage? Yeah, it was yeah. a Smart Punk stage, but it was in Cincinnati, and the stage was set up, the Smart Punk stage was set up in between two of the main stages. Oh, I remember that. So, yeah, were you... Yeah, I was on that whole thing, man. So I think so. Most every, of it. <laughs> basically, everyone who wanted to see the other bands was forced to watch us, you know, which, I don't know, it was, it was kind of cool. And I can't yeah. remember, I think... The Bouncing Souls were on before us, and maybe um, Good Charlotte was on after. So there were quite a few people, you know, there to see us for that show. That was a pretty big one. Yeah. I think another one that comes to mind for me is, like, uh, we played – we did a tour with Coyote and Cambria, and um, 
it kind of came at a time where like we had toured on Das Ein and then it kind of played itself out. And then we were kind of going through some like, what do we do now? Like sort of time. Cause like we, we switched managers. We didn't have manager for a while. And it's just like, is this, it's kind of the end. Is this how it ends here? And, but eventually we recorded a hostage and we got our manager blaze. He got us on this tour with Coed and Cambria. And so the first show we played is Irving Plaza in New York wow. sold out because of Cody, of course. Yeah. Um, but I remember walking out, like, you know, getting ready to play, and we see this packed room, and then just like everybody's like, you know, cheering and everything, and the curtains go up or whatever. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we're back. And it was kind of <laughs> like, you know, one of those awesome moments. I'll tell you, the uh, that tour that we did with Emory when I was hanging with you guys, there was some massive shows on that. That was their first headlining tour. Joel and I talked about it on the podcast. I just remember, uh, some of the California dates, and uh, I just remember there being like a lot of people at those shows. Yeah, the Halloween show was pretty big. The Halloween show I was great. Show, yeah. I got to be Joel. Yeah, that yeah, was, we all dressed up. You like were Devin, and <laughs> yeah, 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 you were Toby. <laughs> and the best part was that we, I think we fooled like the crowd because we figured out like the song that they opened with every time, which yeah. was, was it walls. They closed with walls. There okay. was some intro thing they did at every show. And we, we figured out that. Right. And I think it threw everybody off for a minute. Like they were like, wait, is that really them? Like, <laughs> well, I just remember like we went to dollar general or whatever. And like, I bought a wig cause Joel had not a wig, but that hat. Yeah. They're like the sock hat. And you had like fake muscles. Yeah. I, I do remember feeling bad about that because, um, you know, Devin was stacked. Man. Devin was, you know, he was stocky. And besides that, we were about the same height. I think I grew my hair out a little bit and, you know, didn't shave for a while. But other than that, I was like, how can I look like him? He doesn't really, you know, all the other guys kind of had these little trademark things. Um, you know, I was like, I, I don't think know I what, had cowboy boots. On. I don't know what to do. So I like stuffed. Yeah, I stuffed. Oh, my wait, didn't you have cowboy boots that you let me wear? I think so. Yeah, that's what I know. I'm starting to remember because Joel never wore cowboy boots, but it's like that's something Joel would do. Right. So I was like, I might as well wear cowboy boots. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, man. You remember uh uh Emory had the keyboard player and I apologize for not remembering his name, Josh, yeah. And he he would go nuts. Like that's his performance style, just yeah. like go crazy. He still does. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then uh so then Nick, our keyboard player, became Josh for Halloween. Yeah. And Nick is like normally reserved and everything. And Nick flipped out like when we did that like yeah. fake intro. It was so funny. I, that, that was a lot of fun, man. I've got pictures from that show of all of us, like actually playing and, and like pictures of us putting the costumes together old school pictures, like real paper pictures. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That you can hold in your hand. Yeah. Well, That's and cool. I told Joel this story and he didn't remember it. I'll see if you guys remember it. You might remember it, but we stayed a couple days before that. Cause that was in Seattle. So a couple days before that we were in Spokane, Spokane, how, Spokane, how do you say it? I'm stupid. But, uh, we stayed at, at this kid's house and his dad was a hunter. Oh yeah. And we got all of that elk jerky or elk beef sticks. And And they were vegetarian. Some of them were vegan, whatever. And while they were playing, we hid it in their van in various places. Mm -hmm. Didn't we spell something out in the beef jerky and the venison jerky? Joel didn't remember any of this at all. I was just mad because I didn't get to eat it. You know, I was kind of like. (laughs) We ate some of it. I think we had a little bit. I just remember this is the weirdest thing to remember. I don't know why I do, but those people that we stayed with, they had the largest bathtub I'd ever seen in my life. And I hadn't had a shower for like three days and I got to take a bath and it was basically, it was like a, like a, my own swimming pool. Nice. I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> I just, I remember the kid that we stayed with because 
I think he thought we were all vegetarian because PETA was on the tour yeah. at the time. So he thought we were all vegetarian or something when he was kind of like, um, you know, we're, we're hunters, you know, like he was kind of embarrassed. Like, we're like, yeah, it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. We eat meat. I just remember when we went to the PETA offices uh, on the East coast. And at that point I was playing bass for you guys and they gave us all PETA shirts. And we did that little, like that little photo shoot thing. I still have the picture somewhere. And I like, I feel like such a fraud, man. Like all I, <laughs> my whole, my whole diet is meat. Yeah. Like I don't even <laughs> eat vegetables. Well, if you remember, Jason, the guy that was out on tour yeah, with us, wore, was wearing a leather jacket for most of the tour. So it's not like, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, Pete has done some questionable things lately as far as calling out Steve Irwin. And... Oh. Did you see that? <laughs> no. We had, I had Lindsay from Frenzelrom. He's from Australia and he was on the show. And we were talking about it. They, uh, they were basically just saying that Steve Irwin was not good for animals and not good for the environment. He was like, you know, you shouldn't mess with an animal. You should just leave it be. And I don't know. People are torn on it. I think Steve Irwin was pretty cool. Yeah, crocodile. Hunter. I think he loved animals. <laughs> See tangents all over the place. <laughs> so, uh, okay. We've been here for close to an hour. We can continue to talk, but I do want to know all the details on the show. I want to know like, uh, is there any chance of new music from Brazil? I mean, is there at least an opening for that to be a possibility at some point? Um, as far as like writing a brand new song, not a record, just like maybe a song. Yeah. Like we've tossed that idea back and forth, but what we do have is like some stuff that we haven't really released. Like a, there's a track from the Dave Fridman session. Oh really? Stuff like that. Like we've, we'll probably need to discuss it more, but like figuring out, like maybe that could be a part of it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're not like, get, like getting ready to go in the studio or anything. Are you going to be recording this show? That would be kind of cool. Are we? I don't know. <laughs> I, somebody, someone should. Yeah. Why don't you guys record the show and you could do like a reunion EP with some live tracks, some of the, the unreleased stuff. Do it all yourself through DistroKid or something. Nobody else gets any money. There you go. Hey, it's worth thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that'd be cool. I, w I hope that you guys, you know, like it so much that the band gets back together and you guys put out a, <laughs> put out a killer record. Yeah. So well, I, yeah, I think uh, Brian is going to, we're trying to get him to come out here and do sound and he's into it. So we just cool. got to figure out the logistics. That's so awesome. Maybe I'm, you can like hook up to however you record things. I mean, nowadays, I think it's fairly easy. <laughs> just press the button, the red button. Just hit the red button on your phone on the voice memo. It'll yeah. sound fun. So uh, how about telling us and my <laughs> listeners the the details for the show? I know it's coming up in August, so what are the details for the show? Yeah, it's Friday, August 30th at the Hi-Fi, which is in Indianapolis in Fountain Square. Um, and it's... Eight o'clock, fifteen dollars. Um, you can get pre-sale tickets. I'm not sure what the price difference is there between buying it early and being at the door. And then uh, we're playing with two awesome bands, uh, Pillars from Indianapolis, and also Rooms from Indianapolis. So um, both those bands are amazing. I think Pillars just got back from like a European. They tour were in Europe. Like I saw that yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like the bill because it's like every band is like one word. It's yeah. Very like streamlined. Pretty cool. That's been talked about on the podcast many times. Like there was that whole time period where your band had like nine words in the title. Like a yeah. sentence. And you will know us by the trail of the dead. Right. Yeah. I always thought that was cool because, well, that's, let's talk about that before we leave. 
the name of the band was at least inspired by the movie Brazil, correct? Mm-hmm. And before you guys were Brazil, you were London. So was it always, I mean, did you have a fascination with places? Like the names of places, like the one word you said you liked that. I always thought that was kind of cool when a band just had one word for the for the name. Yeah, I think um, that was part of it. Like, it means there were a lot of different factors. Like, yeah, the just the sing, uh, singularityness, <laughs> the singularness. That's a whatever. word. It's a word now. That's a word. <laughs> um, of like just one word. Like I like I'm, I don't know. I just like that. Um, but then also like the place name things. I mean. You know, it sounds silly, but you know, bands like Alabama or uh, Kansas. I don't know, Kansas. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all escaping me. But Europe. you know what I'm talking about Europe. Europe was one. The yeah. Final countdown. Yeah. So it's just like, what's a what's a city that like everybody knows? Asia. Asia. Exactly. <laughs> now I'm starting to think America. <laughs> Did you say Chicago? Chicago. See. Yeah. <laughs> um, Muncie. Isn't there a band called Paris, Texas? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, you know, that's more than one word, but yeah, but same, same concept. Yes. Yeah. But then, yeah, you, you landed on London and it's like, well, first of all, London was already taken by like a dance pop band in the UK or something. So I think like, we talked about, wasn't the guy in rat? Oh, wait. No, yes. It was, You're right. Yeah. It was one of the old hair metal bands. Cause you know what I did in preparation for this podcast? Yeah. I listened to both episodes last night. Uh, <laughs> and I think we had discussed that the band London was like the guy that sang for rat or played guitar for rat. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I got my, my band names mixed up. I think what it was is like, there was also a Brazil, but they were the dance pop band in the UK. Well, yeah. If you Google Brazil, you guys come up, but so there's, yeah, there's something else that comes up. Yeah. It's, yeah. And there's some weird reggae stuff that comes up as well. Interesting. Well, if you put Brazil into Spotify or anything, you might get a couple of our songs, and then you'll be, then you're gonna be like, wait, what the heck is this? Because you get like Brazilian music yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, That's funny how that works because like, like that happens obviously to like other bands too. But like we were talking about metal. Yeah. And I like this band called Vader from Poland, and. Um, <sighs> Yes, exactly. Um, and but that, there's, that's there's in every song, right? Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, there's some kind of like dubstep artist who also calls him or herself Vader. Yeah. And so I'll be like kind of jamming out to some like you know technical death metal or whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like doots, 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 or whatever will come on. I'm like, what the hell is this? Well, I quit listening to Pandora. I, I do Spotify now because I feel like with Pandora, if I went to, I don't know, say I wanted to go to Metallica Radio or something. It would be like four or five really good Metallica songs, a Megadeth song, an Alice in Chains song, and then like Poison. You know, like <laughs> hey, that's that, not so bad. Well, it's not. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Ricky Rocket was on the show a while back, so no, no disrespect to Poison. <laughs> I just, if I'm listening to a, a Metallica radio station on Pandora, I would think it would be more along thrash lines, you yeah. know. But uh, so that brings me to something I wanted to, I wanted to ask you guys. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the show before we, before I let you guys go home. Um, I've been doing top five lists on the, on the podcast and it's become fairly popular. I've had a lot of people send in ideas and whatnot. Now I'm a huge Metallica fan. If you listen to the podcast, you know, I'm a Metallica fan. If you know me, you know, I am, I'm there. The band that got me to play guitar, not too keen on like St. Anger and stuff like that, but I love everything they've done. Even load, reload, all that stuff. So I know you liked them when you were young. I don't know if you're still a fan. I know at one point in your life, you probably liked them. It's true. Yeah. 
Um, can you rank for me their first five records? Rank or name? Rank. Like from number one being your favorite. They, you don't like all of them. I'm talking kill them all through black. Can you rank the five records? Number one being your favorite starting at number five. And either one of you, just top of your head, whatever you think. I mean, for me, the the black album is when I kind of got out of it, really. Yeah. I mean, so so that can be number five. So that would be five. that's my number five too. So I mean, but I did. Um, Death Magnetic, I thought was pretty good. Dude, Hardwired is killer. And I've heard some of Hardwired. Saint Anger is a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that whole period, I didn't really care. Is that where they had the bongo for the snare drum? Yeah, yeah it's where they turned the snares off. See, and this is the funny thing, too. The reason I wanted to do this is that Mark from Taking Back Sunday and a couple other guys have been on the show. We've talked about Metallica a lot, and then they give me shit. They're like, I didn't know I was coming on Metallica podcast, so I'm just going to start doing it. I'm just going to yeah. start asking people. <laughs> it's my Metallica. show, right? Yeah. Okay, so can we all in agreement so say- So five is the worst? Yeah. Well, the worst in re- you know, relative well, to- the first five. Yeah. I'm not talking about St. Anger, Load, Reload, any of that. So for me, number five is the Black Album, right. even though I still- it's a classic record. There's some great songs on there, but yeah, it's when it started to turn, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I guess it would almost be, well, not quite. We all, we all know quite. the first five records, right? Right. I think. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not, I mean, almost a descending order. I mean, the, the black album being the worst. Um, okay. Uh, You're going to put justice at four. I think so. I mean, just because <sighs> of, you know, how I got into them and okay. kind of what I like. I mean, Justice was really awesome, but um, I don't know, you know, what happened to the bass guitar. Or there's none on there. So, Do you think that that was hazing because no. he was the new guy? Or do you think that that just, was what they were going for? I think that's what, I mean, if you listen to, uh, and I think actually Alex Newport pointed this out to me. If you listen to um, some of the old Slayer stuff, um, there's no, there's no bass. Yeah. You know, and that's just how that metal stuff was. There was no really no room for it. Have you heard the because uh, you know, on you know, what was it rock band or whatever they have the master stems and you can actually remix it. There's there's injustice for Jason is what it's called on YouTube where they've turned the bass up. Yeah, it sounds pretty killer, <laughs> but I'd rather listen to Justice the way it is. Right. I just think it, it like. There's no mids anywhere. It just sucks the air out of your ears when they do those chunk like yeah. the palm mutes. That's just, that's how it was supposed to sound. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I would probably, I don't know. God, that's, that's a hard question. I would probably put, so I'd probably go black and justice for all. Is it called the black album even? Is it's it self-titled. Black? Okay. But I mean, they say, black, they even call it the black album. So, so I'd probably go justice after that. As Look at the four. wheels turning on Jonathan's thinking. And, like, what do um, I think? After that, I would probably go ride the lightning then kill them all, and then master of puppets is my okay. top. You want to think a minute? <clears throat> no, I think I got it. Okay, <laughs> I would agree that black is probably number five. Yeah, um, but do you still agree that like I look at the black album as not even? It's like a classic rock album. Like it's such yeah. a big record and had so many hit songs on it. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's Metallica and I like it, but yeah, for me it's number five. But yeah. you don't dislike it though. I just remember there was a time in the 90s where like every bodybuilder would use Inner Sandman in his routine. <laughs> and so when it like got really heavy, they would do some big pose and everybody yeah. go crazy and nuts. Not that I went to a lot of bodybuilding shows, but 
Well, Enter Sandman is my least favorite song just because I've heard it so many times. Yeah. And every so, kid that comes in here wants to learn how to play <laughs> of Inner course. Sandman. Yeah. So that's number five. I'd probably put um, the tie between Ride the Lightning or Kill Em All. Okay. Four and three. I don't know. Like, I think they're both, like, really good. Although I just remembered that Call of Cthulhu is in, is in Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning, I yeah. I love that song. So I'd put that. Okay, so I'd put that at three. Okay. Kill Em All at four. Okay. Uh, Master of Puppets at two. Even though that was like the first one that I yeah. really got into, and then uh, Injustice for All at One, I happen to like it. It is it was a weird sound. I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, this there's something missing here, and the kick drum sounds like it's just like a beater going against a slab of beef or something. Did you did you notice too? If you listen with headphones, and you might not have really picked up on this, but they've tuned and like EQ'd the kick and the snare to almost be the exact same frequency. Uh, yeah, I, it's it, insane. Like when yeah. they're doing all that stuff on one and all those different things. I mean, you can tell it's a kick and a snare, but it, it shares that same yeah. place, you know? Yeah. And it felt like, uh, like master, like they had this, it seemed like there was a lot of melody and harmony between the guitar parts. I'm not a guitar player, so you can totally call me. Well, there, no, there's a lot of melody and yeah. there's, there's way more, I think there's way more vocal melody on justice. Yeah. And I think Justice was one of the first times where they actually tried to do some harmonies behind it, even though it was kind of buried as well. But there's a layer yeah. of that there, too. Well, and I always perceived Justice as being like a lot more percussive and just like it was about the crunch and the guitars. Whereas for me, Master was kind of like, you know, they're doing the third above each other. And it was like more thicker, like sort of. They're doing that neoclassical harmony. Exactly. Thirds and sixths yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But I remember being in like sixth grade and riding my dirt bike with. A Walkman on and just jamming the fuck out of like Injustice for All and feeling like I was so tough. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, I tell you what, man, everybody out there, I'm going to let these fine gentlemen go home. Thank you for, you know, talking about Metallica with me. I'm very close to yours. I would say Black, mm-hmm. Black Ride Kill, Justice Master. Guitar players are sticking together. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so say- much stuff on Master of Puppets that's just insane to play. I know. Orion and, you know, Crazy. I don't know. Yeah, there's just, it's too many to choose from. For me, Injustice, I mean, I do like Injustice for all a lot. I mean, uh, that was right around a pivotal sort of point for me. Musically. That's how I learned how to tap. But uh, That outro on, on one that did. Yeah. I never knew how to do it, and, and then I figured it out. To me, that album, Dyer's Eve, is, is the savior of that album. You know, they yeah. finally played that, like, really? last year, like, for the first time in, since they put it out. Yeah. It's fast, man. Is, is Lars still alive? <laughs> I, I hope he is. I don't know. I saw this video last night. This is another tangent, and then, you know, we'll get out of here. But I saw this video I'd never seen before. Uh, it was this Rip Magazine party from, like, 1992 or something, and it was – Metallica, Skid Row, and Guns N' Roses all on stage together playing each other's songs, but like Axel sang Skid Row's songs, Sebastian Bach sang Metallica's songs, James sang a Skid Row song. It was the most insane thing I'd ever seen in my life. Slash was up there, drunk as hell, like playing uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and it was the worst thing I'd ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Huh. You should check it out. I'll send you a link. Maybe all you'll right. enjoy it. I don't awesome. know. Maybe you're not into Metallica still like I am. I'm st- I listen to Metallica podcasts. Oh. Metallica to me is like that stack of comic books that you loved when you were, you know, you liked comic yeah. books. And sometimes it's just really awesome just to dig in there. To just, dig into the comic book, yeah, right? That, yeah. That's the thing, man. Like I listen to, uh, I have some buddies that do Metal Up Your Podcast. They live down in Nashville. They're touring musicians. And, and Ryan Downey, who yeah. we're mutual friends with. I was on his Speak and Destroy podcast okay. about Metallica. I, I think at some point 
I'm either going to have to have a segment on this show that's all about Metallica or I'm just going to start another podcast. So maybe you guys come back and we'll just do a whole hour about Metallica. Metallica? I don't know. I'm just, I'm a geek for Metallica. Okay. So August 30th, it's a Friday. You guys are playing the hi-fi in Indianapolis uh, with rooms and pillars. Correct. What is the order? Who is the, is there an order picked for the, because you guys are going to headline it, obviously. Yeah, I believe it will be rooms, then pillars, then us, but it could change. And you guys are doing most of the stuff, if not the whole record, A Hostage and the Meaning of Life. Uh, you're going to throw in some stuff from the other record as well, the other two records. Are we? I th- I think we're going to try to throw in some stuff from the last one from Philosophy. Okay. I don't know that anything off of... Uh, the EP first EP. I don't. You know, I don't know that anything made it. What was that. the song that radio radio? Is that Erasure? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great song. I think that's the name of it. <laughs> it was the Life Death. Life Death. Life Death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember because that was the only song that you guys were playing when I was playing bass. So I only had oh, to yeah. learn that one song <laughs> off that record. <laughs> I love that song. Okay, so thank you, Eric Johnson and Jonathan Newby, for being on the show once again. This was part two, I guess, for both of you guys. So we'll have a part three at some point. Is there anything coming out with uh, JC Auto, buddy? Uh, I'm recording a few things here and there. I just put out uh, some vinyl, actually, like a full album. It was technically last year, but it's still relatively fresh to me. Called Turbo, um, but that's the main thing. It's still for sale. Uh, my record label, and I'm making quotes with my fingers here, is called mm-hmm. Young Tobacco. And if you go to Bandcamp and search Young Tobacco, you can find it there. And they can get like the downloadable stuff and the yeah. physical copies as well, right? Yeah, and shirts. Okay. And by this, he means parentheses. <laughs> can we tell that? We did the did, last time. Well, let's tell. You... <laughs> let's tell a shorter version. We have time. Okay. I want to hear. It. <laughs> you know the story better. I know, but I want to hear you tell it. Um, because. Well, it was. It happened to you. you it, it happened to you, though. I still do that with with some people. I don't sometimes. remember the actual. Like, we, we were on. Start warp, me off. We were we were on warp tour, and you were talking to somebody. I don't know some guy, and uh, he was doing the finger quotes to you, and <laughs> and he thought you didn't understand what he meant. He said, and "By this, I mean parentheses," <laughs> <laughs> and it just became one of those jokes. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know I, about you know. One the of the inside funnest, jokes one, are yeah, the best things in the one world. One of the funnest things about you know touring were the inside jokes. You know, I mean, no, you know, I can still to this day, you know, walk around and and say something about a Mexican buffet, and no one knows <laughs> what we're talking about. And that know? won't be spoken about on the podcast either. <laughs> okay, well that's fine. But <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that has did, to do with that that won't be spoken about on the podcast. I did meet somebody who was like, I went to a Mexican buffet one time. Did you laugh? Was, yeah, I was like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me three. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> what about, I was going to say, and then I lost my train of thought. Um, I still, anytime anybody ever says the word tips, I start laughing. Tips, yeah. Because of your brother. You don't remember I don't that? remember this. Oh, God. <laughs> He said, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. It was Baltimore at the auto bar. Yeah, where I saw the biggest rats in the world. And and Nick was um laying under under oath's bus tire. Yeah, he was pretty much gutter. pretty much passed out. And uh yeah, there were rats the size of small dogs running. You ever around. seen the Princess Bride? Yeah. Rodents of unusual size. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. R O U T S's, that's what we had in Baltimore. And but 
you know, I think that was before you were playing bass. So yeah, I was just like doing merch, tech merch, whatever guy. And so you always had the sign out that said tips and, um, and I tell people it's my birthday every day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it worked. Anybody out there listening, if you gave me stuff for my birthday at the, at the merch table, I'm sorry. It wasn't my birthday. Yeah. Ever. (laughs) Um, no, I just remembered Nick had, uh, Were you trying to give him like his per diem for the day or something? I was trying to give him his, yeah, I was trying to give him his per diem because we were going to eat after I picked him up and carried him from the bus and the gutter to the van. We were going to go get food. The show was over. And I was, I handed out per diems. That was one of my gigs. Everybody had their per diem. He wouldn't take it. And he was trying to get me to keep it saying it was a tip. <laughs> tips, tips, tips. And he wouldn't give it to me. There was something about a book. Oh, he, and he, said, <laughs> he said, I'm going to save up all my per diems and I want to write a book. <laughs> and we're like, why do you need your per diems to write a book? Is it going to be about per diems? <laughs> we didn't understand. I don't know. See, it's stuff like that that, and I think like, when we were doing this tour, you were a new dad. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had a lot of stuff going on that all of us didn't have going on. And now being a dad, both of us, mm-hmm. I can kind of go back and empathize with you being on the road away from your kid. Maybe you didn't fall into some of the dumb shit that we did because you were preoccupied with stuff that was going on at home. And it's possible. I mean, I did my fair share of dumb shit. Oh yeah. I mean, you were involved in some dumb shit that we, we all did, but yeah. like when we bring up this, this really dumbass shit, I, yeah. I think maybe. Well, I mean, Jonathan was the one who, uh, we, when we were out with Brian one time caused an incident that caused us to name the tour that, uh, this is not that kind of tour tour. <laughs> oh, is that in Texas? I think it was with, uh, say anything. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, yeah, I started throwing all the beer bottles against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh. in the, in the backstage in the room and smashed a bunch of beer bottles. And then Brian got a talking to Brian, who was our tour manager at the time and sound guy got a talking to from their tour manager and was told, you know, this is not that kind of tour. And we laughed about it. And so that became, you know, everybody has a, they name their tours, yeah. you know, something. So that, that tour was, this is not that kind of tour tour. That's pretty good. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good place to stop. I want to thank you guys once again for coming on the show. This is the real ending of the podcast, okay. I swear. But yeah, Friday, August 30th, uh, 7 p.m. Is that when it starts? Uh, 8 p.m. is what it says on the flyer. So probably doors at 7 doors or 7. Oh, is it? Okay. Doors, at doors at 8. Okay, so everybody go to, uh, where can they get tickets? Isn't it like... Uh, if you go to hifiindy.com. Hifiindy.com. There's a, yeah, there's a link there. You can order tickets. I They're think $15, I think, in advance and day of show. I don't think there's a difference is what it said when last time I looked. Okay. Maybe there is, though, so... Don't quote me on that if they're $20 <laughs> day of show. Hopefully there's none left day of show. Exactly. That's what we're, we're putting out into the universe. Right. Yeah. So if you're in Indiana or the surrounding areas, if you want to travel, hell, if you're in Australia, get a flight, whatever you guys want to do. Brazil Rooms and Pillars at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis on Friday, August 30th. Doors are at 8 p.m. Don't miss it because I don't know if they're going to play any more shows ever. And if you're in jail, break out. Yeah, if you're in jail, break out, man. <laughs> it's worth it. Every, you give me your <laughs> give me your best like radio voice. Oh man, uh, Friday, Friday, Friday. That's pretty good. That kind of thing. You got one. Um, you have to. No, I mean, that he just stole. <laughs> just did you copy him? Just do Friday, 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 Friday. Friday. <laughs> the monster truck extravaganza. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, guys, so check them out. Brazil's reunion show, August 30th, 8 p.m., $15, hifiindy.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. We'll so catch you later. Be here. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Eric and Jonathan from the band Brazil. I want you guys to check them out. You can check out a lot of their stuff on YouTube. Uh, they're on Spotify. I mean, they're on Fearless Records, so everything that you know they put out is is available for you to check out. But if you are in Indiana or the surrounding areas, make sure to come out to their reunion show August 30th at 8 p.m. at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis with Pillars and Rooms. Uh, tickets are $15, I think, in advance and at the door. So you can check out all the information at hifiindy.com. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. But uh, I'm going to get out of here. Before I get out of here, I do want to tell you guys, next week's show is a big one for me. I got to sit down with Mr. Chris Hanna from Propagandi, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. And when I say that, if you guys listen to this show every week, you know how often Metallica comes up. I mean, I just talked to Brazil about Metallica. There's not an episode that goes by that I don't mention them in some way or another. And uh, I put Propagandi up there with Metallica. Like, they're a band that really influenced me back in the day as far as my guitar playing and my, my riffs and everything. And I got to shoot the shit with Chris for about an hour about the history of the band. And we talked about gear and I told him about the time I met him and I didn't know what he looked like. So I had no idea, no idea it was him. And he actually remembered it. Like it was, it was a great chat and that's next week on the show. So please come back for next week's show where my guest will be Mr. Chris Hanna from Propagandi. I'm stoked. It's going to be awesome, but I'm going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is a long one. Uh, we're getting real close to about two hours now. So uh, I'm going to play a song from Brazil. This is one of my favorite songs from them. It is called IO and uh, you guys are going to love it. Make sure to come out to their show August 30th, Indianapolis at the hi-fi. I'll see you guys next week where I get a geek out and fanboy out with Chris from Propagandi. So as always, love you guys. Come back next week. I'll see you then. Chris out.
Records. So come out Friday, August 30th at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis. It's going to be an amazing time. Go to hifiindy.com for more information. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.